This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to Off the Bench with Scotty Sattler and Benny Jones for Kubota, diesel generators for serious backup power, and Liquorland. We've got a drink for that. Yeah, welcome to Off the Bench, big Friday night. Uh, we've got planned for you, Benny Jones is my name, round two underway, and we're going to recap, of course, what happened last night at Shark Park. A scrappy and ugly game at times, and a game of two halves, there's no doubt about it. But it's the Dragons who go two and zip. And the Sharks now, not panic stations, but uh, not ideal. Norton 2 to start their 2018 campaign. We're here for Kubota Diesel Generators for serious backup power. And, of course, Liquorland, we've got a drink for that. Scotty Sattler is a man who doesn't mind a drink occasionally and in moderation. But he joins us here on Off the Bench. Sats, you were there at Shark Park. We're going to get to the Friday night review very, very soon. But I suppose we'll probably start with a look at what's coming up tonight. Big double header, couple of cracking games, some sides uh, touted as premiership contenders, Roosters, Broncos, that have already got some uh, some big question marks hanging over them. How are you, mate? I'm really good, Benny. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about last night's game, which I thought you said it was a scrappy game. It was in the second half, but I thought thoroughly entertaining. Played in really good spirits early on in that game and uh, a lot of enthusiasm, mm. really good vibe at Shark Park, uh, Southern Cross Stadium. Yeah, but tonight, uh, two cracking games. Ooh, the yeah. Sydney Roosters up against the, the Bulldogs at, uh, at Allianz. Yeah, the Roosters were good last week. I thought they just came up against a very committed Tiger side. Bulldogs, I think they were equally impressive in their yeah. loss to the Melbourne Storm. Brisbane Broncos, one of the most dismal performances from round one, I think it's fair to say. Yep. But they have been bashed from pillar to post by media fans and alike all through Queensland. Mm. And this is probably the game they need up against the Cowboys, 2015 grand final uh, rivals, Golden Point, so many games over the last five or six years, have always been decided by one or two points, all golden point. And um, the North Queensland Cowboys, although they weren't fantastic last week, they did enough to win against a, a gritty Sharks side. But the Brisbane Broncos, the biggest concern is over them. Yeah. We can't take too much out of round one, but right. I think this is the game the Broncos mm. may need to, to get back on the horse. Right. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> Very well done. And on that note, let's get into it. Thanks to our friends at 7-Eleven with our Friday night preview. Let's get an NRL update for 7-Eleven. Tackle your lunchtime hunger at 7-Eleven. Good call. Yeah, make sure you stock up at 7-Eleven ahead of a big night of footy, delicious sandwiches, hot pastries and $1 coffee, 7-Eleven. It is a good call. Uh, let's start with the, the earlier of the two, uh, Scotty. And, of course, still to come in the program, just a reminder to our listeners, we'll have a, a hot topic. We've got a great debate. We'll catch up with the crew from PointsBet. And also, of course, look at last night's win for the Dragons over the Sharks. But oh, you know what I love about... Firstly, footy season being back is one thing, Sats. And, of course, we had such a great weekend round one. But I reckon you genuinely know that footy's back when sides start getting written off seven days into the season. And and maybe we're doing that with the Broncos. We'll get to them shortly. But even the Roosters, some suggesting they'd waltz to a premiership. The star-studded signings in the offseason. They get beaten by a team touted as maybe a wooden spoon contender in the Tigers. And all of a sudden, people are going, well, I don't know about the Roosters. What, what are your thoughts? You're not jumping off them yet, are you? 
Oh, no. No way. I don't think you should jump off, off any side. Even the Brisbane Broncos in the first round. With the Roosters, just too much class in their side. Yep. I've always said, Benny, and you and I, we do a lot of work together. I've always said for a couple of months now, even though that they signed one of the smartest halves that we've seen probably in the modern era, the mm. way that he challenges himself and also the opponents and asks questions of, of the opponent in Cooper Cronk. Yep. I think there's always going to be a, a few blips on the radar as opposed to smooth sailing very early on. Now, he's been in a system at Melbourne where he's been basically one of the creators of their system in Melbourne, along with Craig Bellamy, of course, mm. Cam Smith, Billy Slater, yep, and the like. But going to a new environment in the Roosters, he's basically either got to learn a completely new environment, a new culture, but also a new mindset about the way that you play the game, or it's going to be the flip side. Trent Robinson has said to the rest of the team, we've got to play the way that Cooper wants us to play mm. on the field at any given time. Either way, that disrupts the operations early on in the season when the balls are yeah. kicked in anger. So, I mean, the Roosters will be in the top four at the end of the year. There's no question about that. If they don't, it's, I think the season is seen as somewhat of a, I wouldn't say a failure, but a disappointing season. But I think it's just going to take maybe four or five or six weeks for everyone to be on the same page. Mm. Interesting one there, Roosters, Bulldogs. Let's move to the later game. And, well, if you're from an outside point of view or not too familiar with the NRL landscape, you look at what's happening at Brisbane at the moment, Sats, uh, players under pressure. The coach, Wayne Bennett's under pressure. The fans are... Yeah, not bang for blood. Yeah, I did call it pre-season, but I think that's still relatively early call. But I heard you make a comment on radio through the week saying, well, this is nothing new. This is life as a Bronco. They are one of the biggest sporting organisations in the land. So therefore, pressure just comes with the territory. Well, it does. It's it's like an individual player who signs a million-dollar contract. With that comes expectation. With the Brisbane Broncos, with the very short history they've had, 30 years have only been in the competition... With the success that they've had and everyone that's come before them, your Langers, your Walters, your Renoffs, your, your Webkeys, Talises, Thorns, Petro Sivanasivas, uh, Darren Lockyer, just to name mm. a few, with that comes expectation. So this playing group that the Brisbane Broncos have got, um, there's a really good story that was written by Peter Bedell in the News Corp publication yesterday about the recruitment of the Brisbane Broncos around the halves and the, the players that they may have lost over the years and and how it's affecting them moving forward. Probably the most notably, Ash Taylor, who they released for him to go and learn how to play NRL, and he went to the Gold Coast. But little did they know that a man was going to arrive on the shores of the Gold Coast called Garth Brennan, who had an amazing relationship with Ash Taylor from years gone by, where Ash Taylor commits himself to the Gold Coast Titans, and the Broncos lose their man coming back. They didn't have plan B outside of that. So it's starting to hurt them, but... Yeah, my question is not around the halves mm. because the two halves they've got Benny in, Nick Arima and Anthony Milford, well, percentage-wise, they're a partnership that are winners. They've won more than they've lost when they play together. So my main concern for the Broncos and the expectation, like you talk about, that comes with the Broncos is having this amazing fear factor that they've always had in their forward pack. When you knew that you were going to go play the Broncos... You just knew it was going to be a battle. You knew it was going to be a war, and you didn't sleep the night before because you're going to come up against this forward pack that would basically rip your arms out of their sockets. They don't have that anymore. Hmm. They're they're hedging their front row and their their ability to intimidate the opposition on a 22-year-old kid that 
last played NRL in 2015 as a 19-year-old, Matt Lodge. And it's not it's not fair, Yep. but their recruitment when it comes to the front row has got to be questioned because the expectation and pressure on them is probably greater than most teams in yeah. the NRL. There you go. Thoughts of Scotty Sattler off the bench. Uh, still to come, our Thursday night review after the Dragons overcame a 14-point deficit and a desperate home team as well. Uh, in the Sharks to make it two from two. We've got a great debate, a hot topic, and also Sats' all-important tips for the remainder of the weekend's footy. Uh, it's all thanks to 7-Eleven, those delicious sandwiches, hot pastries, and $1 coffee. 7-Eleven, good called. Just before we get to the break here on Off the Bench, uh, it's time for the all-important points bet update. Hey, by the way, points bet, they're introducing a 20-point payout on NRL games. That's all season, all through 2018, it's new to me. I need to find out a little bit more about it. We're going to do that shortly, but let's welcome into the program Andy Fay joins us from PointsBet. Andy, great to talk to you, mate. Um, we're going to get to that payout uh, very, very soon on the 20-point mark. It's, it's fascinating, but I want to start with the big game. I think it is arguably the biggest game of round two. Great rivalry between these two sides, Broncos and the Cowboys. How's it all looking from PointsBet's perspective, mate? Yeah, so, I mean, it's always really close between these two, as everyone knows. Three of the last four games have been decided by a point or less. Six of the last seven have been decided by a score or less. So um, betting tonight, it suggests the Cowboys will win pretty comfortably, to be honest. They were $1.70 earlier in the week. They're into $1.59 now. So it's been a really, really big go. We just laid a $15,000 bet on them as well. So a lot of confidence around the Cowboys tonight. You'd have to think, though, the Broncos, the proud, successful club that they are, they're going to bounce back. I mean, they can't be as bad as they were in round one. Therefore, with their their odds, Andy, just ballooning out a touch, that's going to be pretty lucrative to some punters who are going to uh, stick fat and keep the faith in uh, Wayne Bennett's men. Yeah, we're very bullish on the Broncos here at PointsBet, to be honest. So we're, we were happy to take all the Cowboys' money. Where it, it is that bounce-back factor that you talk about. Mm. So here's a stat for anyone thinking about having a bet on them tonight. So... There's always a stack of upsets um, early on in the season. So over the last five years, in the first four rounds of the competition, if you're a home underdog of four points or more, which the Broncos are tonight, you've won at the line in 76% of games. So that's 40 out of 53 games where home underdogs of four points or more have won at the line. So if you want to back the Broncos plus four around the dollar ninety mark, um, you can go into that with a lot of confidence. That bounce back factor and the yeah. upsets early in the round, I think I think that could hold Broncos punters in good stead. Absolutely fascinating stat. Uh, really, really important that punters do their homework. And clearly, uh, Andy, you and the crew at PointsBet have done that and some. Now, I want to talk to you about this uh, exciting and uh, very enticing. I got to say, twenty point payout. Now, this is all games throughout the entire NRL season. Explain the T's and C's. How's it work? How can we get involved? Yeah, so I mean, this isn't a promotion. It's one of our products that we have there. So it is available for all clients. Um, everyone can come in and have a bet on this. The way it works on all head-to-head bets on every single NRL game this season, if your team scores 20 points in the match, you're paid out as a winner straight away. So um, it doesn't matter if you win or lose the match at the end. As long as you score 20, you win. So a really good example of this one uh, last week, the Raiders uh, they were up, I think, 20 to 6 um, at one point in the game. We paid out the Raiders as winners before half time. Mm. They lost, obviously, to the Titans, 30 to 28 at the end, but we'd already paid out run- Raiders punters. They won their bet. So, um, same thing in the South game. South, they got blown apart. Um, they were a $1.45 favourite, and they lost by 12 points. Yet, anyone who backed them with us, they were paid out as a winner because wow. South scored 20. So, 
score 20 points or more, your head-to-head bet is a winner. Not often, Andy. You can back a side, they lose, but you can still win on your bet. Uh, fascinating stuff and well worth checking out at PointsBet, uh, that 20-point yeah. payout on NRL games all season. I have a feeling, Andy, you're going to be uh, inundated with plenty of people wanting to get around that one. Yeah, it's been crazy already. Um, we're a new, new online bookie at PointsBet, but we've been uh, growing really, really fast, and this is a, a very, very exciting um, very, very exciting product that we have for uh, all NRL games. Uh, there's no set max bet for that as well, so you can come mm. on and you can have a have a decent crack at it with us. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll treat it like any other bet. Definitely check that out at points bet. Great supporters of us here on Off the Bench as well, mate. Great to have you on board. We'll be catching up with you throughout the course of the season, and no doubt uh, reminding punters about that fantastic twenty point payout on all games, every one of them throughout the NRL season. Andy, thanks so much for your time here on Off the Bench. Enjoy the weekend of footy. Thanks you too. You're listening to Off the Bench for Kubota, diesel generators for serious backup power, and Liquorland. We've got a drink for that. Yeah, welcome back to Off the Bench. Betty Jones, Scotty Sattler's here in the house, and we're going to look back on uh, last night, Thursday night, uh, the big game at Shark Park to kickstart round two. Thanks to Kubota, the diesel generators for serious backup power and Liquorland. We've definitely got a drink for that. Gee, Sats, how do we describe that sort of a game? Crazy game of two halves. Uh, Sharks dominant early. The Dragons just hanging in there by the skin of their teeth. And then, well, the second half was a a complete reversal, despite the fact that the Dragons played 10 minutes uh, with just just the 12 men. They, They managed to somehow overcome that and overcome the Sharks. Fascinating stuff. Benny, can I give you my good, bad, and ugly from last night? <laughs> Why not? Night? Off the top, let's go. Okay, the good. Yep. Uh, the Sharks opening 30 minutes. I thought they were really <laughs> impressive. Yeah. They played an expensive, they were. entertaining style of rugby. Dugan outstanding, yep. being moved to fullback. Getting involved. Uh, Matty mm. Moylan had a hand in a couple of tries. Funnily enough, a really good kicking game. Andrew Fafida, Gallon, and Bakuya were just tireless in the middle. And disciplined. And for the Dragons, yeah, and Dragons, yeah. Were, their, man, you know, their man in that, Gareth Wood started off well. DeBellin was cutting guys in half. That's the good. Yep. The bad. <laughs> well, the ill-disciplined second half Crept in, of didn't the Sharks, they just yep. capitulated at key moments, which is a big concern for them. And the key moments and the people making the mistakes are some of their most important players. They went from about a 95% completion rate yep. controlling the game in the first half to about 70% overall in the second half. They just they just disrespected the process and disrespected the ball. That at was at one stage, Sats, 21 from 22 sets completed. They were on fire. Amazing. Yep. Yep. The ugly. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> the 10-minute period that Jason Nightingale is off the field yep. for the Dragons, oh. and the mistakes that they've... And you, you rattle off for some, and I'll get you to rattle them off again. In that 10-minute yeah. period, they had three or four drop balls... Uh, there was a, a penalty against them, an mm. important penalty against them. Uh, they just allowed the Dragons to eat up so much time with the ball in their hand until Jason Nightingale got back onto the field. Yeah, our great mate Warren Smith from NRL Nation, uh, he listed the Sharks' possession chains while Nightingale was in the bin, and this is how it read. Error, Moylan. Error, Gray. Error for feeder. Offside penalty. A kickoff that went out on the full, and then a yes. dangerous throw penalty. All that within 10 minutes, Sats. Yeah, and it really was that 10-minute period where they lost their way. They lost all their composure. And with that, and we talk about the discipline, Benny, the ugly also was Andrew Fafida, one of their their star players, one of the yep. players that everyone looks to for some form of leadership, and that just comes with him being a, a New South Wales representative. They're complaining yeah. every time a mistake was made. The first thing was to do was to look at the official, complain about whether the ball was ripped out or not, there's, you can't change the result. 
of no. of what the referee has decided. So the the only thing you can do is just forget about it, get it back into the line of defence, and just and tackle your way to victory. Mm. But yeah, there's some ugly things: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Benny. Yeah. Well, can I throw in something a little different? Can I go the sublime to the ridiculous? Because last night's game had that as well. And I'll I'll start with sublime, and that was Nene McDonald. How he devo- oh. defied gravity and and just the way the human body should work to somehow get that ball to ground just before the break. It was about six or seven minutes before the break, and hugely important uh, to just to give the Dragons that little bit of belief as they've been up against it, backs to the wall, to the ridiculous sats. And Ben Hunt's kick, that wasn't a kick, it was a bit of a hack and an embarrassing sort of wave your leg at the football. And the only person who read it was Tyson Frizzell and he runs in and crosses. That That is the sublime to the ridiculous and that's well, league in, in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> fortune favours the brave, yeah. doesn't it? And yeah. by Tyson Frizzell just continuing to run through the line yeah. and see what scraps he could possibly pick up turns into a six-pointer. <laughs> now, that one about Nene McDonald, it was like drinking vinegar last night when we covered the game with NRL Nation, <laughs> myself, Gary Belcher, and, and our caller, Jimmy Smith. And yep. Nene McDonald got my two points out of the 3-2-1. I've never given a winger any 3-2-1s <laughs> in my entire career, so uh, we'd have got three. Nene yeah. McDonald, who was unbelievable, got two, and Josh Dugan got one point. But, yeah, it's just, yep. again, it, the Dragons... They impressed me with how composed they were. They they impressed me with they didn't get rattled when they were 14 points behind and they just continued to grind their way back into the game and, and had faith in what Paul McGregor had set for them for this game. This has always been a very emotional derby and yep. and last year it was the Dragons who beat the Sharks on their home turf and the Sharks beat the Dragons on their home turf. So it seems to be following that trend. At uh, one stage, it felt like there were more penalties than points and passes being scored in that second half. It was quite incredible. But uh, Gareth Whittip, again, his kicking game was really strong, particularly uh, with a tricky breeze. It was sort of hard to tell it sometimes there last night, uh, Sats, which way the, the, the breeze was going. Certainly the Sharks favoured by it in the first half. But again, uh, Whittip's poise uh, when he was able to uh, find the... The, the big sticks was, was pretty important in the wash-up, 20-16. to 16. Now, again, great start, Dragons, and it was important for them to continue the momentum they built from round one. I want to focus more on the Sharks here, though, uh, Scotty. Norton 2, the season's far from done. Of course, you, you can't win a premiership in, uh, in March, but you can go a hell of a long way to costing yourself a chance to compete for one. They've got, up next, the Eels and the Storm in the next fortnight. Very realistic possibility they could be Norton 4, and then it is really playing catch-up after that. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, I, I think the Sharkies have, have got a side that is too skillful and they've been together as a playing group for too long to worry about whether they're going to, to miss the finals or not. But you've got to get those first those first four to seven games, you've got to get have at least at least fifty percent of those games in your favour. If if you haven't mm. by about round seven, well then you start you climb a very slippery pole. And um, it becomes harder. And then you start getting injuries. And then you start losing play to origin. And the pressure just compounds. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got to get back on the board very, very soon. Who Did you say who they had next week? Well, can I can, actually just on that subject, Sats, you mentioned up to, say, round seven. I'll tell you exactly who they've got until round seven. So up next, they've got the Eels. Then they've got the Storm in round four. Ooh. Then they play the Roosters. Then they got the Dragons again, this time away from home, and they yep. wrap up to round seven with the Panthers. I mean, that's yeah, that's an incredibly tough run. Well, yeah, there's no easy games, we know that, but when you get them back-to-back like that, yeah, uh, especially when the next two weeks you've got Parramatta who are aggressive and skillful and quick, 
can, can score tries from any part of the field, and then you come up against the Melbourne Storm, who are so clinical. Yeah. Yeah, that pole might be getting a little bit slipperier yeah, earlier than later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to hear from both coaches. A fired up Shane Flanagan post-match coming up very, very soon. Obviously uh, pretty disappointed with the way the game unfolded in that second half, and it may be the subject of our great debate shortly. But let's start with Paul McGregor, coach of the Dragons. His thoughts, much happier, clearly, after a pretty gutsy win by his side. Yeah, they did. Um, we're very happy with the first half. Um, we had no field position. Um, the Sharks were, I think, 21 from 22, so they were playing some good footy. There's a fair breeze, um, so we just need to swing that possession around and get a bit of field position uh, and keep the Sharks under 16 points, which we managed to do tonight, so it was good. Yeah, it's great going forward, for sure. Um, you, you don't come here to win pretty, you come here to scrap to win. Um, and we scrapped well tonight. Um, it wasn't a great game as a to watch, you know, with the, with the foot in hand, but um, Granola forced you know that a little bit. We had 40 tackle breaks, but really didn't execute too much with, with, with the footy. But during that period, the boys handled it really well. We had field position there, um, come away with a try, which was nice, um, you know, to finish off strong. So for us, it's you know, it's maintaining an 80 minute game. Last year, we were very good over 40 minutes for the whole year, uh, we were good early for the first. 10, 12 weeks for 80 minutes, and then we dropped off. So it's just about us being consistent week to week and, and an 80-minute game. And boys have got the right attitude, um, you know, which is around belief. Yeah, we our draw was tough the first two weeks. We're playing against sides that have been dominantly top four the last three years in Brisbane and, and Cronulla. So to come away with two from two, uh, one at home, one away, is, it is pleasing, but um, you know, it's only two weeks in the competition as well. Really disappointing. Um, you know, one error in the first half, and then we trotted ten out in the second half. It was, you know, they'd be probably disappointed with their first half, and we're terribly disappointed with our second half. And uh, you just can't do it, you know. Like some of the, the errors that we, we made today in that second half are fundamental, you know, and kicking out on the full, not catching kickoffs, um, and so on. So, you know, I'm really disappointed. Uh, showed the way we can play in the first half and um, to put that that's going back to last week again you know we we didn't catch a kickoff against the Cowboys after we scored and we go to 16 all today and don't catch the kickoff and as I said kicked out on the fourth for another kickoff so um, you know, some real poor, poor errors and coming off our try line we dropped the ball on tackle one or tackle two too many times lost count mm. yeah well there wasn't much footy played in that 10 minutes because um, you know, shots at goal and, and so on. They controlled it pretty well, the Dragons. So, but you know, as I said, we were our own worst enemy. Too many errors in the second half, and um, we need to fix it up real quickly. Righto, so we've heard from both coaches. Now, time sats. We rip into this. The great debate for Kubota diesel generators for serious backup power. Yeah, that they are indeed. They provide reliable, constant backup power you need when you need it. Uh, and we're going to stay with the coaches here, Sats, and, well, we're going to keep one of them in the gun. Shane Flanagan, uh, who we heard just a few moments ago and was bristling at the suggestions, too, that uh, that Valentine Holmes is not a happy camper. I don't know if you caught that in his press conference mm. last night. But, uh, yeah, he, he left the field about the 77, 78-minute mark, uh, went, went in his mind, I'm sure, it was pretty adamant uh, that, that, that they weren't going to find a way, a miracle escape and a, and a late winner. Walked down the tunnel, into the sheds, 
and away he goes to prepare for his post-match address to the players and then, of course, the press. Great debate. Do you like that look from a coach? Uh, I don't like it. Uh, it's good and bad what he did. Uh, there was a penalty given, like you said, Benny, on about the 78th minute, which really basically tied the match up for the Dragons because yep. they were going to have possession for the remainder of the final minute and a half or whatever yeah. it may be. And But things can happen in rugby league. A player can have a brain snap on tackle two, throw a, a wayward pass, and there can be an intercept taken. There can be pressure defensively that you put on your your opposition that gets in the turnover the ball on tackle one, whatever it may be. But when that penalty was given, Shane Flanagan, who had made his way from the, from the coach's box down to the sideline in the second half, got up and just walked up the tunnel, disappeared into the dressing shed. Now, as I said, that can be good and bad. It can be good in a sense that I need to maintain composure here. I don't think I'm going to be able to. Yeah. I need to take myself out of the equation so I'm not going to embarrass myself, my fans, and more importantly, I'm not going to I'm not going to also humiliate the the branding and the logo of this club, the Sharks. No. The flip side of that, the bad side of it is it can also your disgust in the team can work as an intimidation or it can work as a humiliation on Yeah on your side as well, like a rejection to your team that, you know, I don't want to be out here with you guys. One in all in, you know, that, you know, that angle doesn't work anymore when your players see your coach just, just bailing out with a couple of minutes to go. And when you're preaching to your team, stay in the fight for 80 minutes, don't ever give up, don't yeah. ever give up, and your coach gets up and walks away with two minutes to go, it's, you know, you should stay out there. You're hurt with your team. And... It can, it can set an example to your players that, you know what, I'm hurting as well. I'm going to sit out here. I'm going to hurt with you all. Mm. Um, but it can also set an example to your players that when you do leave your coach's box or your sideline and go into the dressing sheds to wait for your players to arrive, it can set an example, Benny, I believe, that I don't like what's happening. I'm going to stick my head in the hole. And yep. that's exactly what the Sharks did in the second half mm. when they didn't like some of the things that weren't going their way. All they did was complain to the officials. So I think this is something that's got to be addressed really early on by Shane Flanagan, whether he likes it or not. I feel as though that he's got to apologise to his playing group. All right, well, there you go. Great debate for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. Yeah, look, I, I don't... I, again, it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because he, he stays out there, he, he shows frustration, the TV cameras are straight to him, of course, and they were as he walked down the tunnel anyway, so he can't win no matter which way he approaches it. But, you know, I think for the sake of a couple of minutes, and if you've made the effort to, to leave the coach's box to come down to the sideline, if I was a player and I, I looked across in a moment like that and saw my coach with my with his back turned to me, I'd be a bit, I'd be a bit flat, I'd be disappointed. And... You're right. It's not that they were going to to win the game probably at that point, but if you're selling a mantra of we're all in this together as a group and you know we 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 live by the sword, we die by it. You see that from your coach. Yeah, I, I just maybe not a great look, but maybe he's got a a method to the madness. So we'll have to back him in, I mm. suppose. Great debate, Kubota Diesel Generator, serious backup power. Plenty more off the bench. A hot topic coming up next. Uh, we'll find out what the boys are up to this weekend in the driver's seat. Stick around. More with Benny and Sats right after this break. You're listening to Off the Bench for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. And Liquorland. We've got a drink for that. You're listening to Off the Bench for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. And Liquorland. We've got a drink for that.
Oh, of course they do. The weekend's upon us, so pop into your local liquor land and they'll have the drink for you. There's no issues there. Benny Jones, Scotty Sattler, you are listening to Off the Bench and it's time on the program that we have a little fun with a hot topic. Let's get into the hot topic for Onga Pumps. Pumping hot sale now on. Oh, just after you've ducked into liquor land, why wouldn't you want to come home to a beautiful Weber barbecue worth $700? You could win one of those. There's 30 of them up for grabs in the pumping hot sale. Visit ongapumpshop.com.au. Hot topic. Uh, well, this man is always a hot topic of conversation across a number of codes, Scotty Sadler. Israel Falau whispers that uh, he could very well end up back in the NRL in 2019. Uh, he is suggested that the Rugby Union World Cup in, in 2019 is not the be-all and end-all mm-hmm. as far as his uh, sporting priorities. So let's play a fun game. Hypothetically, Izzy says, I'm back. If he does return, where is the big question? And I suppose as a follow-up to that, if you're looking at it from clubs and where they're positioned right now, who'd be a good fit? Who's screaming out for a player with his unlimited attributes when it comes to well, all things like 16 <laughs> CEOs and recruitment managers that would yeah. be looking out for uh, Izzy Folau. We we just know that he was one of the superstars when he left. Yep. When he played rugby union, he I think now he is in the top it's definitely a top 3 most influential players in world rugby yep. even though the Wallabies aren't as highly acclaimed as what they have been in the past. Has played in a World Cup what? final, so he's been to yeah, the absolutely. top almost. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's just a He's just a sublime athlete, isn't he? And yep. you look at the teams in the NRL that would want him. Well, that's every team. Hmm. Then you start breaking that down to who could get him realistically in 2019 yep. financially. Now, the Titans, we know that they've got money in their salary cap. They lost Jared Hayne, which saves them about seven hundred to $800,000 a year in their salary cap. The Roosters will get him anyway, because so, <laughs> they get everyone. I was waiting for that to sign off for Onga Pumps. Pumping Hot Sale is now on Sats. We'll, we'll head to the break shortly. But before we do that, on the driver's seat this week, I know that Maddie and Steve uh, are going to be catching up uh, with uh, a couple of big names in the world of motorsport, because they're previewing the Australian Grand Prix, and they'll also crack open the mailbag. Last week on the show, they caught up with, speaking of big names, Shane Van Gisbergen, and he addressed the controversy of his pole position in the shootout in Adelaide. It wouldn't be the Adelaide 500 without a little bit of controversy. Let's roll back to yep. qualifying. Uh, you were put under the yep. spotlight. You were put under the blowtorch just a little bit there, but there was a little time there during qualifying where your pole position was being debated up and down pit lane, and the, the team owners are throwing the odd the odd quote into the press about whinging this and they need to just concentrate on their own game and blah, 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 blah. As a driver, how hard is it to stay focused when all of that is going on around you, when all you want to do is know, I've got pole position, I need to focus on the race? Yeah, I didn't really get drawn into the politics and stuff, you know. I, When you go by the letter of the rules, I was four wheels off the track, I was off the track. Um, That line was in a different place to last year for whatever reason and, you know, the line this year was that line for me was the fastest and anyway I was I was clearly four wheels off the track you know on a straight no advantage probably the longer distance but yeah I was I was uh you know four wheels off the track I probably probably should have been thrown out and um you know but the people that were protesting uh was unbelievable their cars were four wheels off the track as well on all the other corners um so they you know there was actually eight cars who were four wheels off the track at one point. So yeah. when wow. I brought that up, you know, I, I brought up the corner before. They said, oh, well, we've got to investigate that. And they were going to go, <laughs> going to throw six cars out. 
of yeah. the shootout, and that just looked stupid for the sport. So yeah. common yeah, right. sense prevailed, and they moved the lines and whatever. But um, you know that that could have been a bit of a joke. Yeah, I, I think it's silly to be honest, and and you know. When I look at a street circuit, you know what? Drive the street circuit the way it's meant to be driven. Drive it up against the walls. You know, that's 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 the way I see it. I mean, a painted yep. yellow line here and there, to me, doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, pretty much like uh, like the Gold Coast 600. You run up against the walls everywhere there, and if you overstep the mark, you end up having a, a flat car like Jamie did on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and, that, and that's normally how it is there, but yep. for some whatever reason, the line was just painted... <laughs> painted different and it didn't become an issue until until that moment when someone decided to protest which is you know it's a bit silly you can catch the latest episode of the driver's seat this weekend or online via facebook where you can track down the podcast at driver's seat show and speaking of all things social media joining the conversation with sats and myself on facebook and twitter by heading to off the bench crew quick break plenty of uh, off the bench still to come we've got sats's tips up next as round two continues you're listening to Off The Bench for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. And Liquorland, we've got a drink for that. You're listening to Off The Bench for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. And Liquorland, we've got a drink for that. Righto, let's get into it. We're powered by Kubota. I want to give a special shout-out to these guys too. Kubota Diesel Generators providing that reliable, constant backup power you need. And Liquorland, who've jumped on board, Sats, we're thrilled about that. They've got the drink for any occasion for you and uh, love having them with us too. Liquorland right throughout the NRL season. Hey, mate, I'm really looking forward to because you're off to a flyer in uh, in round two. You're one from one, which is uh, more than your great mate Gary Belcher can say because he went with the Sharks, mm-hmm. you went with the Dragons. But let's see what your thinking is like when it comes to the rest of of round two. Uh, let's start uh, tonight's game. Roosters, Bulldogs. Who are you leaning to? Badge, Badge will go against me. I think he's taking the Bulldogs, but <laughs> do you believe in in the history and the statistics, yep. Benny? Do you All, read into that? Always give it some weight. There's no doubt about okay. it. There are some sides that just match up against others a little better, and uh, you've got you've got to take that on board, I think. Yeah. Well, if the Roosters go 0-2 tonight, the last time a Roosters team that's gone 0-2 and have turned the season around was back in 1980 when they went through to the grand final were beaten by Ooh. the Bulldogs Ooh. in 1980. So <laughs> if they go 0-2, history is against them. I don't think it will. Yep. Um, I think the Roosters will win tonight. I think um, if they played the way they played last week, I still think they beat the Bulldogs. I didn't think they were that bad last week. Just some really some key fundamental errors made by yep. their back three that they need to tidy up. Bit of rust. Maybe that's cleared. We'll find out soon enough. Yep. Broncos, Cowboys, second game. Uh, this is always, you know, no matter where these two sides are positioned or the form lines that they're displaying is always a, a game of, of great anticipation. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know whether this has lost its, it lost its gloss, this game, just because of what we're anticipating the Broncos will throw up uh, from last week. I think uh, I think the Cowboys will win. I think it won't be one of those golden point thrillers. I think the Cowboys will win by 13-plus. All right, there you go. Okay, Saturday, uh, your second favourite side, the Warriors, take on uh, another <laughs> side that's pretty close to your heart too, the Titans. But, hey, fascinating that we're even discussing these two sides as undefeated after one week. They've got their first win on the board. Who's going to make it two from two? Do we get too excited about the Warriors after oh, week one? I, I know, know you don't. I know you don't. Yeah, I don't. You know, I'm probably <laughs> one of their biggest critics. But in saying that, I thought they were not only impressive last week against South Sydney, they were dangerous, yeah. um, but they looked really fit, yes. streamlined. It's the fittest I've ever seen the Warriors look in recent memory. Mm. Um, 
due to their, their conditioner, Alex Corvo going over there, he's been with the Melbourne Storm and the Broncos for many, many years. Uh, could be their, their greatest signing ever, to be quite honest. I think the Warriors beat the Titans. It's a tough trip across the Dutch for the Titans. They prepared really well. I know that they they celebrated last last Sunday night's late victory against the Raiders by going home very early, getting their sleep and preparing on Monday mm. uh, for a very short week to New Zealand. So, yep. Um, but the Warriors, I think the Warriors going home on the back of that really big trip to Perth, yeah, that might take a fair bit of them out of bit out of them also. The, the trip to Perth, that extra five or six hours, on top of the three or four hours it takes for their uh, for their trip from um, from Auck- uh, from Auckland. So yep. I'm going to take the Warriors just on the basis of they just look really fit, they look streamlined, they look like they're focused. All right, uh, playing for the time-honoured Sattler Cup on uh, Saturday, the Panthers <laughs> and the Rabbits, of course. Uh, hey. Club that you played in a premiership with the Panthers and a club that your old man made uh, his name at, uh, the Rabbits. Is it a tough weekend in the Sattler household when these two meet? Where are, you, where are your yeah, allegiances? Yeah, yeah I, I, want, I, I don't believe in finishing in a draw in rugby league, <laughs> but then I'm a hypocrite because I always want this one yeah. to finish in a draw. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just something off the cuff here that's got nothing to do with the result. But um, the Penrith Panthers, just in a, a show of really good sportsmanship, young Adam Dewey will play his debut in place of Adam Reynolds for the Rabbits. Yep. The Panthers have actually allocated 50 tickets to Adam Dewey and his family from the rival team oh, wow. for his debut, his first grade debut. So, that's a nice touch. Uh, great gesture from the Panthers. I yep. don't know whether they're trying to get him into a false sense of security. <laughs> Butter him up. But yeah. I think that yeah, I yeah. think the Panthers will win this okay. because the Rabbits without Reynolds are a completely different side. All right. Storm Tigers uh, on Saturday night. The Tigers, gutsy, brilliant. And and just what I'm sure their fans would have been hoping for in that performance against the Roosters. And to get a win was just the icing on the cake. And the Storm, well, yeah, they, they just seem to have picked up where they left off. And Billy, of course, plays game 300. So uh, there'll be plenty of interest in this game. You know the hardest part about playing against these these team, teams like the like the Storm is that you admire them, mm. even as an opposition. You admire everything about them, and, and there's a part of you that says, "I wish I could play at the Storm one day." So when you go down and play the Storm, and they're sitting there in the pre-game, or they're watching the TV in the dressing sheds, and there's highlights of Billy Slater's brilliant career being flashed everywhere, you start to admire them, yeah. and that's dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. <laughs> so I think the Storm win. I think they they win pretty. Pretty easily as well. Yeah. You, you, you played at 12 Club Sats. Did the Storm ever come calling to S. Satlow? Was there ever an overture to get you down down south? No. No, no never happened. No, it would have been a great club to play <laughs> oh, for. I bet but... it would have been, oh. absolutely. Hey, uh, yeah. Sunday, quick thoughts. Two games here. Uh, sea Eagles take on the Eels. Two sides that are uh, also searching for their first yep. win. I think this is the, the game of the round um, at mm. Lotto Land. Uh, I think the Eels, but I think they'll bounce okay. back. I think they'll come out in a really aggressive way and they'll beat the Eagles. Beautifully done. And final game. Gary Belcher's Raiders take on well everyone's. It's I mean this in all sincerity. I think everyone's second favourite at the moment. Yep. The Newcastle Knights that'll quickly end when they start winning more games. But uh, what do you think? This will be a great game. Yeah. The Knights will they'll offer a lot of a lot of questions to the Raiders big men in defence and they'll work them try and work them around that middle part of the field where the big forwards usually hang. But I'm putting my faith in the Raiders. I I don't know why. I think it's because <laughs> I love Ricky Stewart. Yeah. I just want Ricky Stewart to succeed. I mm. like him as a human being. I like everything he, he represents. Um, I like everything that Nathan Brown represents as well. But I, I just, I think the Raiders might, I think they might owe one here for the coach. I think they'll they'll get a win. 
I think uh, part of that uh, reasoning behind tipping the Raiders is you just want Gary Belcher to be in a good mood come Monday. That's that's well, more the point. You should have seen him on Sunday. We're calling that game <laughs> yeah. for NRL Nation. Yeah. And in yeah. the first 25 minutes, he was oh. punching the air. Yep. He was dancing. He was shadow boxing. <laughs> and in the last probably five minutes, he was throwing everything uh. he could within arm's reach at the wall. The joy and despair of sport, all in a nutshell, as displayed by one Gary Belcher. Hey, this has been Off the Bench Sats. Uh, Have yourself a great weekend, mate. Uh, Catch you same time, same place next week. Yeah, good footy, everybody. Powered by Kubota. Thanks to our new friends at Liga Land. We'll catch you here on Off the Bench next Friday. Hope your side has a win. We'll catch you very, very soon. You're listening to Off the Bench for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. And Liquorland. We've got a drink for that.